This presentation was from Yorks Australia 2017, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit yorksaustralia.com.au. So this is Maish. He is all the way from Singapore. Um, his company there is called Pebble Road. And today he's going to talk to us about designing self-service experiences. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Hello, everybody. Uh, so this is my first uh, UX Australia. So thank you, Donna, Steve, and Sarah. Uh, I sat in through Sharon McKay's talk, and that was so uh, <laughs> big picture, from designing cities to designing self-service experiences. Talk about a dramatic zoom in. Yeah? <laughs> OK, so um, how many of us are, are in this space? How many of you are actually designing self-service experiences? Whoa, that's, that's, that's quite a lot. OK, but actually, what I really wanted to do over here was call out uh, to, to all those who are not doing it, as well as to people who are actually in this space, to take note of this emerging industry. It's actually booming right now. And I'll, I'll talk to you about why it's booming. I'll also talk to you about you know, why it's not going in the, in the right direction. There are certain gaps over here. And why it actually embodies everything that we do as UX designers, and why we need to pay attention and turn this industry around. So it's a call to action, right? <laughs> OK. So that's my, that's my agenda. So let's get started. So first thing is uh, about self-service, right? So it's, uh, I started looking up uh, on the internet as to you know, what are the early cases of self-service. And I came across this video, really interesting video. And the year is 1969. I think it's the commercial banking company of Sydney. They just uh, opened their first ATM, and the video describes on how to use the ATM. So here's how it goes. Okay, so you get this card. It comes to you by mail. You take the card, you put it into the ATM, you type in the six-digit code, and you get 25 bucks down. Boom. Okay, with a the receipt. They all tied up together, and that's it. And and the ATM eats your card. <laughs> you get only 25 bucks. That's it. And they'll find the most efficient way to get the card back to you. That's how it worked. That was the first ATM here. Right? Interesting. If you take a look at it and say that, you know, it looks so weird right now, but back then, I think we accepted it. And 50 years down the road, I think we are glad for it because it has dramatically changed society, uh, dramatically changed business, and we are happy for it. So let's take a, a jump 50 years. This is uh, not an ATM queue. Uh, this is uh, a food court in Singapore, and this is a completely self-service food court. You go in, you say, I want tofu, I want it spicy, and I want bean sprouts. You press the button, and you get spicy tofu with bean sprouts. Hot, spicy tofu with bean sprouts. Now, now don't worry about the queue. Uh, that's the national pastime. Uh, we queue for everything. Uh, <laughs> if you don't queue, you will be fined. <laughs> so we queue for everything. So that's today. People are accepting it. There are queues for it. Uh, but it just, we just need to wait and see how this is going to bring about the change in, in society and business. This is tomorrow. Uh, this is Changi Terminal 4. Yes, it's Terminal 4. It's going to open later this year. And by the way, we are already building Terminal 5. <laughs> so it's funny. Next time you come to Singapore, you're going to have terminals, and you're going to have shopping malls. And we'll be living underground. <laughs> 
So this is Terminal 4. But I think the interesting thing over here is that they've built the entire terminal to be self-service. So right from the time you enter the airport to the time you board the plane, everything is self-service. That's how they planned it out, right? But we have to just see how it, how it really works, especially now with the new rules and regulations coming in. But that's the industry. This is dramatically changing the way we perceive, do business, work, and play. So this is the area that I want to focus on. But this is also happening on the web. Uh, the website on the left is the support website for Atlassian. I think one of the, the fantastic companies based here in, in Australia. And the one on the right we know is gov.uk. Now, again, a brilliant exemplar of how government websites should be designed. But I want to draw your attention to the content on these two websites. If you notice that the content, it's not the typical media type of content, nor is it the typical marketing type of content. This type of content is very, very specific. It is resolution-friendly content. It is meant to solve a particular problem. It is written that way. It is measured that way. So I'll, I'll draw attention to this again, but I want to just focus on the type of content. It's very, very different. So these types of websites are becoming very common. In fact, all government websites should be designed from self-service principles because that's what they do. They help you to get stuff done. Right? So this is something that we'll be focusing on. And now we've got chatbots. Uh, they've become very popular. they become easy to do. Emma, the chatbot from OCBC Bank, uh, I think the first uh, month uh, she was launched, she was launched, <laughs> it was uh, gotten $10 million in mortgage loans. Now, that's fantastic for a chatbot. But $10 million, it's not, in Singapore, everything costs a million plus, right? So 10 million is 10 people. <laughs> well, it's a good number, <laughs> right? Uh, but on, 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 uh, on the right-hand side is a beautiful example of a bot that is really bringing about change. That's called the uh, RoboLawyer uh, from Do Not Pay. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's a great example of you know, how it's bringing about, about change. So before you would have a parking ticket, you would think it's unfair, but you would let it go simply because of the documentation that you need to do to appeal. This kind of a bot comes along, uh, asks you a few questions, it produces the documentation for you and submits it on your behalf and you get your money back and save millions of dollars. So th these are dramatic uh, examples of, of self-service experiences that are fundamentally changing uh, you know, the way we, we conduct ourselves. But this self-service is not new, you see? So what is driving the interest and why now? So is this. Now again, this is not new. Okay, this came out uh, uh, a couple of years ago. This is not new. We know what is happening in the world. But you see, what happened was businesses took around three, four years to understand the principles at which these digital age companies are working. It took three, four years. And today, they are embracing these principles and under the rubric or the name of digital transformation. Right? We, heard, we hear this word everywhere. In Singapore, it's a big thing. Uh, banks, financial institutions, the entire fintech industry. You've got retail. Amazon has opened up shop over there. You've got logistics, all undergoing this thing called digital transformation. So what is digital transformation? It's fundamentally transforming your business to work like digital age companies. So what does that mean? It means that you have to first try to figure out what is the scalable value proposition that is there on the table. Okay, then you have to figure out the technologies that can offer or bring you that scale. And then you need to work out your business operations. All of this stuff is, is big money, big change. 
But in order to get this successfully off the ground, you need to support it with scalable you know, uh, support operations. And that's where self-service becomes such a, a, an important part of the game. So this is happening right now. So that's why there's an interest in it. So there's always a, a, a reason for people to you know, get in touch with your company. Okay, you want to get stuff, uh, just basic information. I'll give you examples of banks over here, but it applies equally well to all industries. I need some information. I need the banking codes. I need transfer codes. I, I need to know how to, how to uh, send money to, to overseas accounts. Just simple stuff. Then I need to transact. I need a supplementary card. I need to cancel my card. I, I need to top up. So these are transactions. Get stuff done. But then there's troubleshooting stuff. You're in an ATM, you put the card in, you're trying to withdraw money, you can't, you're in a foreign country, what do you do? I'm doing everything right, but I don't get the money out, right? So that's solving problems. In the self-service domain, this is called demand drivers. These are the reasons why people get in touch with you. So just focus on, on the demand drivers. There's, there's a lot of reasons by which people call. So there are two ways to address them. You've got self-service, those are the different channels for self-service, that's fine. And then you've got assisted service, and those are the different channels for assisted service, which is all okay, right? So this is how we, we work our system. But here's the interesting thing. From the business side of things is that there's a lot of money uh, if I get a human involved in the solving process. <laughs> so if it's a small problem, I get the, the usual guys involved. If it's a complex problem, I need to get the experienced guys involved. But the idea is, is they cost money, they cost 10 bucks. Uh, per transaction or per request. Well, as self-service, it's around 40 cents. Now, if you do the math, and if you have an organization that gets 1,000 requests, or 10,000, which is the norm, 10,000 requests a day, you can do the math and see how much you, you stand to save as a company, but just by using the shift left strategy, right? Moving things to the left, you start saving money. So from the business side, it just makes common, it's just common sense that, you know, if I shift left, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of savings happening over there. But here's the interesting part, is that from the customer side of view also, they, they prefer self-service. Report after report is saying that I'd rather you know, look up the company website or, or look up elsewhere to solve my problem myself. I don't want to you know, use that IVR and go nuts trying to navigate the tree. Okay? So I just do it myself. So there's a huge demand uh, from the customer side of view to solve the problems. But there's a problem, right? The problem is this. The success rate in self-service is not very high. It's 50%. And that's not very good. <laughs> Just imagine going to an ATM, you put the, your card in, and only 50% of the time you get the money out. <laughs> You're not going to like that very much. So why do we, why, why don't, why do we accept a 50% failure when it comes to self-service on the web, on chatbots or websites? We shouldn't. And, and customers demand that you know, they should get around 80 90% success rates. So that's the gap. And that's the gap we're trying to address. And so hopefully, you know, we can get there. So this is a call for UX design, all of us over here, because this feeds into what we do day to day. It feeds into us problem solving, trying to figure out where the leaks are, where the wastage is, where the experience falls down, and bringing everything together and designing a holistic experience. So there are two parts of this puzzle. We got the customer experience part. We, we can solve that. We know that really well. But I call on you to also handle the business operations part, because if you don't handle the business operations part, your customer service is not going to work out too well. So we need to take a look at it from the front stage as well as from the back stage. Right? So this is an, an important idea. So five design principles. So let's start with this. 
So I want to, I want to focus on uh, telling you these principles through uh, this, this wager. And this is almost true. <laughs> so this happened, right? So you go to this bank, and you, you talk to the person, and he says, you know, I'm running this contact center. I get 1,000 calls, uh, you know, 10,000 requests a day. You're coming to me and telling me that you know, you're wearing on this designer hat, and you're going to solve my problem. Prove it to me. Show me a 7% reduction in call volumes in three months. Actually, to make it juicier, I would say, otherwise you won't get paid. <laughs> but, but if you get this wager, my advice to you is grab it. <laughs> because I'll tell you how easy it is to get a 7% reduction in call volume if we just deploy simple design principles. So what does this mean? Is, is that requests come into the, to the, to the bank, uh, and people are handling it. And I want to put up a self-service portal, and I want to deflect 7% of those requests. Right? That's what it means. And those 7% means a lot of money, and I want to prove this case to, to the manager. So that's, what, that's the wager. So how do you go about doing it? So as UX designers, the first thing is to know the problem. What is the problem space? So the problem space starts with this, this whole concept of a knowledge base. Right? This is content. So whenever things happen on the web, it's content. Whether it's chatbot or websites, it's all content. Now, the reason I'm, I'm calling it a knowledge base and not a content repository is because of the word knowledge. Knowledge means to solve, okay? Not to inform, not, not to do anything else, but to solve, get the stuff done. That's why it's called a knowledge base. And so my focus is the knowledge base. So I need 7%, I need the, my knowledge base to give me 7% reduction in call volumes, right? Okay. Now, what happens over here is that when there is a request, I come to my self-service, Self-service hits the knowledge base. I need to service that. I don't want people to call uh, the agent who is the call center. So far, so good. So in order to do that, I really need to be careful about my knowledge base. I don't want any waste in my knowledge base. So I need mechanisms to basically retire stuff. If, if things don't work, well, I'm sorry. Out you go. Okay? Only the good stuff stays in the knowledge base. And then the, I need to tell the product owner. I need to tell people upstream, saying that, you know, the stuff that you're taking out from a, you know, the bank's point of view, a new credit card, it's filled with problems, right? And I'm getting too many calls downstream. So why don't you take a look at the problem and fix it upstream? So this is the message back to the product owner saying that, can you fix the problem upstream? So that's the, the framework. So far, so good. Okay, so let's start with five principles, and I'll take it one by one. This is a UX conference. We're supposed to know the customer. We have different methods to know the customer, which is fantastic. But in self-service, there are a few things to look into. The first one is this. Take a look at this request that comes in. It's a typical request. Now, what's the state of the person? Uh, is it this? <laughs> is he happy and saying, oh, I couldn't take out the money. I'm so cool. Let me call a bank. Right? You know, that's not going to happen. They're not happy emoji people, right? <laughs> they are anxious emoji people or angry emoji people, right? So that's the first thing that we need to acknowledge. These people are different kinds. But here is my advice. The advice is keep marketing folks away, right? <laughs> because they're not the right people you want to be with when you're doing self-service. Because they have all the wrong notions, like delighting the customer. Oh my goodness. no. No delighting the customer right now. Because I don't want to delight an angry emoji customer. Okay? So that's, that's not going to work. 
Okay, focus, get yourself acquainted with the contact center folks. These are the people who know the sad emoji people, right? This is, they know all the problems that are going on. They know why they call, right? And they know how to resolve it. So spend time with the contact center and keep the marketing force at bay, please, right? Okay, so if you take a look at the, the sad emoji people or the angry emoji people, what are their expectations? Interestingly, research tells us that they want high FCR, first contact resolution. That means you solve my problem the first time I ask you, not the second time, not the third time, the first time. So let's see. So we got angry emoji people who want high FCR. Okay, so that's, that's the call center. But then we have this, uh, the digital savviness index. If you take a look at Singapore as well as Australia, you realize that 60% of the people are not going to actually enjoy your complicated interfaces or animations because they don't, they don't have the skills to do that. Okay? So you've got 60% of the people who have basic skills. So if I'm a designer, my market shrinks. I've got angry emoji people who want high FCR and they're not very digitally savvy. Right? So that's your market. That's the market we're dealing with. So just keep that in mind. So, we spoke about demand. Demand is the stuff that comes to the contact center, right? But you need to be smart about demand, right? So the idea is there is, uh, you got, again, the marketing folks, uh, they like to, uh, Kathy here has a brilliant uh, article. So that's how they market it and that's how they support it. <laughs> and this is, it is, it's like a disease, right? Uh, and and they, they don't learn from it. It keeps going on and on and on and on, which is good for people like us. Remember the 7% call reduction? We want the silliness to continue, right? Because it's easy for us to get 7%. If they fix that, we won't get our 7%. So, so, <laughs> so, and the reason for that is there is a demand curve. Interestingly, uh, in, the, in, in the call center, that the calls go up and then they fall down. There's a demand curve. There's a short period of time where there is a lot of demand and then after that it dies out. Yes, you got the, the regular stuff that people call in for, but sometimes there's this spike. So if you are a designer and you want to play smart, which area would you, would you focus on? Well, I'll focus on that area, right? I don't want to focus on the other stuff. I want to focus on where the demand is high. So where is the demand high? When the marketing folks take out a new card or a new feature or a new uh, a campaign, you know, they don't do it really well, so the demand goes up. So I need to be there with my knowledge base to make sure that the stuff is inside my knowledge base so that I can, I can answer my customers, right? So that's simple strategy, simple, smart strategy. Focus on getting the content into the knowledge base when the demand is high. Okay, so a lot of stuff comes into the call center, right? So here's my question to you. Again, let's play smart. You just want a 7% reduction. Let's play smart. The first one is get more info. This is the basic stuff, change of, of, of passwords. Get stuff done. These are transactions, which means I now need to focus on integrations of different systems. And the last one is solving problem, troubleshooting. That's too difficult. So if I have to play smart, which one would I choose? I would take the simple one, right? So here's, here you would, you would try to you segment all the calls that are coming in and focus on the simple ones because that's where a lot of demand is there, the really simple thing that you can really, really get away with. So focus on high demand calls and the simple ones. Okay, so, so far so good. So I figured out the customer, I figured out which calls I want to target, so that, that's good. 
Now it comes to how am I, how am I going to address these uh, articles? How am I going to address the content? How am I going to write the content? So there's a lot of study being done in this area, and this is an interesting book. Uh, it kind of uh, contradicts our normal assumptions. So they went ahead and asked executives. Typically, I think marketing was involved in this. Okay, say that. How would you? What should you do to increase loyalty? Right. So say I need to meet customer expectations, and I need to exceed customer expectations, and that's when loyalty goes up. Not true at all, right? So when they went and asked the people, you know, what would make you more loyal, all they said was, just meet my needs, right? Don't, do, don't sing and dance, right? I don't want that kind of stuff. Just meet my basic needs, and I will be loyal to you. <laughs> you don't have to delight me. In fact, delight is, is, is too costly and doesn't produce enough results, only, only 16%, right? So if I have to choose this kind of approach and saying that, what does it mean to meet expectations? It needs to be effortless. And so what is effortless? There are three things. One uh, is, to, is to find my article, find my stuff, and second, understand it. And third one is com complete it. You see, I have to have high FCR, which means I can't do half-baked stuff. I have to complete everything. So in discipline, from, from a UX point of view, this is content strategy, content design, and guess what? Search design. I'm not talking about SEO search. I'm talking about the search bar in your, in your website, which is enterprise search or site search. We're talking about that. So let me give you an example. OK, first we'll just go through the resolution journey. If somebody has a, a, a demand and somebody has a request, how are they going to go through satisfying that request? Obviously, the first place is Google. Then comes your website, then comes your support website, and then comes the agent, right? So far, so good. This is really simple stuff, right? So if I had a request like this, and I type it in Google, saying that, what is the Swift code for DBS? What should I get? I shouldn't get pages, because I should get results. I should get it right there on Google. Use Google to answer your basic stuff. That's the mantra. You can do that. You can use schema.org tags. You can use microdata and get Google to answer a lot of stuff. People don't even need to come to your website. Okay? So that's a really important consideration. Second one is if they do come to the website, now what? I have, they're going to go to for your search bar. But your search bar needs to be optimized. You need to give the answer right up front over there. Don't go pages. The new search is answers, not pages. Forget about search results pages. Focus on answers. Right? And then when they come to the main page, how are you going to resolve it? This is the job to be done theory, saying that why, why does somebody want a Swift code anywhere to receive money or to give money out or transact? So I need more than Swift code. I need a lot of other stuff. I need Swift code. I need uh, my bank details. I need the bank address, all of the stuff. So when you write an article, you need to make sure it's complete. Okay? You sh and, and when you write all of the other articles, you need to make sure that these articles are well understood. What do you notice about the list of pages over here? Yes, the titles are very specific. They're search-friendly titles. But do you notice something about the summaries? The summaries actually give you the answer right up front. So if you think about the credit card application, you already have a lot of the questions answered in the summary. And this summary actually appears in the search results. So you're doubling it up. Right? So the way you design content for a self-service system is a little different. You've got to use these, these principles to improve resolution rates. Not like this. 
this is Singapore Post. I asked them to shift my office address. And they say, oh, we are, we are digitally transforming the company. Please uh, go and, and, and do it yourself. I can't do it myself. I, all I can do is download the form. But I have to go and visit and, and submit the form. Now, this is not digital transformation. This is digital stupidity, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's Singapore Post. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're going to win sometimes. You're going to lose sometimes. But what happens is that I would just tell you to lose elegantly. What does that mean? <laughs> so if people can't find answers on your website or on Google, they're going to call the agent. Okay? So that's called escalation, handing off to an agent. But the word over here is handing off. So here's an interesting thing. Right? If I just give you the contact number, so I spend 15 minutes trying to look for information, then you give me the contact number, I call the agent, and the agent will say, what now? And then I've got to spend another 15 minutes explaining to the agent. First of all, it's not high FCR, right? That's, that's, that's not good, very good. And you've got an angry emoji person. You don't want him to, to repeat the whole thing. The smart thing to do over here is to take advantage of everything that the person has done so far, right? You, that's, that's called the case history. Take advantage of everything that he's done so far, take all of that stuff, and then pass it to the agent so that when the agent calls, he knows what, what you're trying to get done. So actually, uh, uh, Apple does it this way. So you, you go through Apple, you can't find the stuff you want, then Apple tells you here are three options for you, and it takes two minutes for the information to get to an Apple agent and for the Apple agent to call you back. Okay, that's called a callback system. And there are many, many ways of doing this elegantly. So escalation is a big deal in self-service, and we need to plan it and, and design it nicely. Okay. So this is the interesting part on, on keep improving. We know about measurements. Right? So we know a lot of stuff on, on measurements. But the, the question over here is, what do we need to measure? We heard from uh, uh, Sharon that what measures matters, and we need to pick the things to measure. But if I am designing a self-service system over here, there are many things that I need to keep handle on. You remember, I need, I need to get my 7% reduction in call volumes. So if I'm focused on that, these are the areas that I need to focus on. So let's take a look at them. So the first one is this, between the customer and the knowledge base. Well, I need to measure use and satisfaction. That's good, because I just need to know what's working, what's not working. Then between the customer and the contact center, if people are going to the contact center, perhaps there's lack of awareness because they don't know about you know, things that can be solved. So I need to focus on awareness campaigns. So, so if I take those measures back to my manager and say, I need some money to run some campaigns to improve uh, awareness, I can use that particular measure. Then I got knowledge gap. You see, the content creator over here is an integral part of the system. So between the contact center and, and the content creator, I have knowledge gaps. We spoke about the demand curve. Well, if there is a rising demand and the content creator does not know about the demand, I have a problem. Right? I'm not going to meet, meet my, my efficiency measures. So I need to know whether there's a knowledge gap over there. And then between the content creator and the knowledge base, I need to know about content quality. Are you writing resolution-friendly content? If you're not doing that, I need to optimize it, continuously optimize it. So these are the areas that I need to focus. And the last one is between the contact center and the knowledge base. I need to know whether they can share information and, and improve their operations. So if these are the areas that you want to control, then you can start about go about measuring them. So I use uh, the typical GSM uh, framework over here which is the goals, signals, and metrics framework. 
So if you go down and say use and satisfaction, then uh, you, you, can, you can follow through. So what are the uh, signals? How many people are coming in? What are the metrics? I want percentage of new visitors. Where am I going to get it from? Well, I might get it from Google Analytics. And you go down that list, right? So GSM is a, is a nice little framework over here. OK, so in summary, these are the five uh, design principles that uh, I've used uh, effectively. So talking, coming back to that wager, <laughs> so in three months, we got a 10% reduction in call volume. So they were really happy. They are scaling it in Hong Kong and then trying to uh, scale it across the bank. Now, a 10% reduction in L1 calls is a big deal. If you just run through the numbers, it, you're really talking about big savings. So these are my five core principles. Summary. <laughs> so digital transformation is upon us. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening. Uh, from startups to established companies who want to use digital to transform themselves, they need self-service as a core offering. Just imagine Atlassian didn't have a support website. Or that uh, uh, you, know, you would go to, I use Zero for my accounting purposes. Zero is fantastic. I think it's, a, it's a, uh, an accounting app from New Zealand. Um, so I come across a lot of problems many times. How do I apply GST? How do I change the rate of GST. If they didn't have a support website, I would have a lot of problems using it. And I don't want to call New Zealand for solving these problems. In fact, they don't even have a call number. right? So the idea is that self-service systems become an integral part of the eventual product offering. And, and the, the better we design them, you know, the better we can, we can manage success. And not many designers, especially in Singapore, uh, there are not many people working in this area. And I don't know how it is. I've, I've Googled it. I've tried to find out if, if they are actually designers who specialize in this area. Uh, and I couldn't find many. So this is my call out to you saying that this is an area that can be solved. It's a little fuzzy right now, but it can be solved. It, the principles embody everything that we're doing as, as US designers. And so I call on you to embrace this opportunity. And let's change this industry. That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi. We swapped during the break because Donna's speaking next door. Um, we've got time for questions. Uh, so if you've got a question, just pop your hand up. Wait until I give you the mic so that everyone can hear it because it's a large room. Um, go. Hi. Um, you mentioned something about 50% success rate. Can you elaborate on where that comes from and what that refers to? OK, so that was, uh, shall I just go back? So that was from a presentation that Jerry McGovern did at Confab uh, 2016. Uh, he picked it up from, uh, uh, sorry, I'll just go back quickly. So what this really means is uh, uh, this one. So this is self-service success rate. So even for us, what happened was when people, when people call the contact center, one of the scripts that we give the, the agent is to ask them where they are right now. And more often than not, they are at the website. They're on the website. So they couldn't find the stuff on the website. So who, who asked that question? Sorry. I can't focus. So the, so the people are actually on the website, and they couldn't find it on the website. So they called the contact center. So uh, TSIA, uh, TSIA did a study on this and found out that 50% of the time, uh, people are on the website and they can't solve it. So that's where the 50% uh, failure rate comes from. But this is for technology companies. Uh, we've seen it in, in banks as well. Uh, similar kind of stuff. 
great talk. Um, my question is about whether or not you found there was an, uh, a better approach between either having really specific one-off kind of little content uh, pages that are kind of answering specific questions or ones that are trying to give you that high uh, first response, uh, first success rate, sorry, uh -huh. uh, by answering deliberately a few questions that are likely to be related all in one process. Okay. So uh, there was one situation I remember clearly. Uh, there were four things that needed to be done, but the question was on, on only one. So the question is whether I, I preempt that they might do these things and put it on the same page. So the approach over here is to use every page is page one, the principle. Have you heard, heard anyone heard about IPO? Every page is page one. Nice book. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's designed uh, like Wikipedia, right? Where one topic, one page. And the, the, you focus on building relationships. So we tried that out over there. Simply because when people actually search, they might search for two, three, and four. But the point is, when they come to one, I just want to preempt that this is the stuff that they could do. So we still defined and created them as separate topic pages, but connected them through relations. So the focus was on relations. So, that, so it's like, like Wikipedia. Great talk. Thank you. Um, you showed those examples. Uh, I think it was gov.uk. Yes. Uh, you know, a really good case study. Have you come across anything uh, in the mobile space? In you know, like in terms of self-service. In mobile, I think what's happening right now is um, so. In uh, so, I'll give you a, a real study that we, we're working on. So this is Singapore. So we got uh, people from different races. We got four languages: English, uh, Chinese, Malay, and Tamil. And so when people actually come to work over there, many of them don't speak the language. But uh, there's a case where they get injured and they need to go and seek compensation. But simply because they can't speak English, uh, um, you know, they, they don't know what to do. Interestingly, every one of them has a mobile phone. <laughs> That's their first experience. And for them, everything is there. Right? And on the mobile phone, what they do is that even on WhatsApp, uh, they don't type in. They actually record and talk. So we, we notice that behavior that these people are more familiar with voice uh, than with typing in. So they can't type in. Second thing is when, when they read, they don't get the reading part. They actually like to listen. So their hearing is more, more uh, amplified than, than the reading. Right? Interesting finding. So what would we do? What, what, what can we do in that case? So we experimented with a voice-only support system. So you would ask a question, and using machine language and all that kind of stuff, I would understand the intent, and I would respond in voice back. That's it. So the entire system is just a, just a, a dot over there. You ask, and it, it responds. And we're seeing some good traction over there. So the whole idea is to, is to address that particular problem. But over there, for them, they, they don't own desktops. Okay, so these are, so only, only smartphones. So we try to address that using that. Thank you. Yes. We, we don't have time for more questions. Um, so please join me in thanking Mesh. Uh, that was Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.